Hello, and welcome to Scuttlebutt, the war movie review podcast. We're happy to have you with us as we take a look at films from the dawn of cinema to today. We aim to provide a raw and unapologetic review of each film's cinematography, historical accuracy, and delivery. In the process of analysis, certain details will be revealed. These spoilers are only divulged to ensure a fair assessment of each film. We head to Indochina this week with Pierre Schaffner's 1965 First Indo-Chinese War Epic, Platoon 317. As always, I'm joined by Mike A. Hello. Mike B. Yep. And Nate. Uh. So guys, what'd you think? <laughs> Nate has didn't have a clever one this week. No. <laughs> no, it, I, it's hard. No. To, no. He's been on the run from the Viet Minh for too long. Dude, I'm tired. <laughs> Why is it... It's okay. <laughs> No, like, like it doesn't He's mean don't poke. The run it doesn't mean just. It doesn't mean like you can't poke fun at my the way I talk. It's just it's going to come out a lot tonight. My oh yeah, but no, you immediately you just went no. no. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I've I've never been more self conscious about my own accent since doing. Well, this it's pod. just going to get worse. Because I know. You know us. I know. That's the problem. Yeah. No, I know. It's I'm loud and proud, motherfucker. It's well, the same. So, so, Nate, what did you think? You started talking. Uh, I started talking because you talk shit about me. Uh, <laughs> uh, Duh. Uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know dick of this subject. <laughs> I mean, I don't it was know nothing. It was it was interest. It was interesting. <laughs> I I thought it was cool. Um, I know um, Ryan. You know, I just 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 from what I know, people know this. I know Sean and Brian know this a lot. Uh, I and I think you do too, Mike. But I'm not too sure. I I I just don't know anything past World War II. Pretty much is my history, like kind of cut off. And even yeah. then, it's very limited. But uh, no, I mean, like I knew I knew this existed. I knew this was a thing. I knew the French fought, you know, the NVA and Viet Cong and stuff before we got in there. And you know it, it's all that stuff, and that's just that's the surface level stuff I know. And then, yeah. um, but going into it, I mean, like, no, I mean, like, I was, I was dreading it, uh, mainly because it's French, and B because it's nineteen sixty, it's it's nineteen sixties. So French nineteen sixty films are normally les fin, you know, and it's <laughs> which is at the yeah. end of this one as well. But yeah. I was like brooding it because, like, I was like, okay, like. What kind of fucking hate session am I gonna have to do to sit here and watch, you know, tears drip down a wall in slow motion and then and then it's like, you know, on the back black wife and a person cries even more. Like I'm waiting for that. You know, like like just like weird messaging. And it wasn't that. Um no. thank God. And because uh, I'm a simpleton and I need direct fucking messaging. Uh but I, I, I liked it a lot, uh, in some aspects. Uh I loved the look, uh, and and you know, and also with it also being, again, the older films actually being shot on film, it's like holy crap, you know. Like, there's a lot of really interesting action that went with this, but it blends in a lot with the black and white, and it, I mean, it was also really cool. And although I'll be like a five minute long intro, but it was really cool that that some of the shots were kind of like you know. Uh, you know, traditional, you know, filmography shots, you know, setting up static shots. But then all of a sudden, just the camera gets picked up and it's just like documentary cameras for some of the shots. And I thought that was really, really cool. Um, no, this this film was, uh, 
never fucking heard of it in my life, but man, it's it's really I I I really liked it. Um, I'll jump into it later, obviously, but no, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, Mike B. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um. Yeah, I agree. It. it uh, I was dreading this because of the time period, like what you said, but I was very pleasantly surprised. It was um. Not what I was expecting at all. Again, in a good way. It was uh, very just, even if, I mean, especially for the time, very poignant, very, very right there in your face. And it's like, holy shit. So I, I, I wonder on one hand, like how, who watched this back then? Because it was so, I think, ahead of its time as far as the way it was shot the dialogue, the the combat scenes, which weren't overdone in my opinion, which is very interesting. But um, overall, like, yeah, the guys, like you said, I actually don't know much about Indochina either, like that whole conflict that they had been having in the 40s and the 50s. I know a, enough to get me in trouble, but like I don't, I'm not an expert by any means on that. And it was cool to kind of see a lot of things that I did know, and it confirmed that, I, okay, I was right. They did, you know, and it just, it was a bigger picture thing. We'll get into that. But, like, it was really cool how they had local people working with them. And you had, it was just, I guess, real. It was it was portrayed in a very real manner. For 1965, I don't think I've ever seen anything that, besides a documentary or something like that, or even just, like, raw footage, from the time that was a, a cinema kind of movie, I've never seen anything that raw and real before. So, um, yeah, I thought it was pretty darn okay. So, Brian. I'm glad to choose a film from the past that you guys dread but turns out being awesome. This is a movie I found out oh, about 15 years ago or so when I was at that museum. And I watched it. It took a while to film, find as well. And I was blown away. I was like, it's fucking cool. Only because the Mat 49s. I always knew this film for the <laughs> Mat 49 porn. Because it's like, if you want to watch it, because it's very similar to the Battle of Algiers in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know, it is same, actually. Same, same time frame and everything and how it's filmed and everything. And, yep. um, but it's just really awesome. Just from so many ways. It does have some filmmaking, you know, thrown into it. You can see, obviously. Um, but other than that, it's just a, in my opinion, it's the best film about Indochina. There's not too many of them out there. There's probably five or six. Um, but and I'm also very surprised to hear Mike B that you don't know a lot about this conflict because it's like Vietnam, but like more turbo insane and with less funding. So it's Again, like I know really enough to get me in trouble, but it. Yeah, yeah. that's about it. If you do a deep dive, there's some really amazing books, even DMB and Foo, because we're at the 70th anniversary of that battle, which is insane, in my opinion. Fucking, you know, spring of 54. So much going on. And so much of that ties into the Cold War as well. And Korea, I mean, there's, it's a very fascinating conflict from so many levels. But this is a great film. And also, the director of this film, Pierre Chauvenel, was a French army photographer who jumped into DMB and food during the siege and became a Viet Minh prisoner of war. And he became a, 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 what do you call it, a filmmaker after the war. And this is his first real big film. So that's why it looks amazing, because it is amazing. And it was made for vets, by vets. And on top of it all, they shot it in Cambodia in 1964. 
<laughs> fucking like there's there's CIA units like over the hill and they're shooting a war movie. It's like insane. This film is so cool and it's just it's great. Michael. Yeah, this is cinema verite at its uh, finest. Cinema verite is a genre from kind of this period where you are stripping away all of the dramatics, and that's kind of kind of what has inspired me that genre uh, to uh, to do stuff that I want to do. And this this is exactly exactly that. Like the combat, I was really really surprised by the, how real the combat felt. You know, um, the, 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 one of the first shots where I was just like, whoa, is it right at the beginning, they go into that bunker and there's shit happening way off in the distance and they do like a snap zoom in on it. And you can see, I mean, like tracers like arcing over and so it's like, damn, that looks good. You know, all of the stuff shot at a huge distance, like when the guy's looking through binoculars looked so good. Um, I loved that stuff. And, um. Yeah, and then of course the two characters, you know, it's a very interesting, uh, uh, you know, juxtaposition. These two guys, this, you know, the, the guy, he's he's the commanding officer, this lieutenant, but he's younger than this other guy who is, you know, a total fucking beast in war and uh, has, you know, a very interesting background. One thing I, I absolutely love in some war films is when they, they have previous wars kind of bleeding into the one that they're depicting and um, there's a lot of examples of that. And this is the same thing. It's where this guy, you know, he was an Alsatian. And he, and during World War II, he was in the German Wehrmacht. He went, they didn't go the route of, like, he was a French resistance soldier or he was in the French military. It's like, no, he was one of the guys who was in the German Wehrmacht and was fighting on the Eastern Front. Like, how, you know, fascinating is that? I like, and I love shit like that. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was really, really interesting. And, um, again, I, and I love the way it looked. I love that mid-60s, like, black and white matte look. You know, everything is, like, kind of flat almost, but not in a, in a, in a boring way. Um, you see a lot of that from that time period. So, uh, yeah, I thought it was very, very cool. And I kind of wish that I had heard about it before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that that answers my my lead off question was that had it was Brian the only one you had seen this before yeah, yeah. i yeah yeah i'd never seen it before i'd never even heard of it before like okay. a good 40 percent of the films we watch i think i'm the only one that's like ever found them well so. that's not always true that's not always no true. no no but th- there's a lot of gems out there if you just fucking are really bored and watch yeah, TCM you're, you're, all you're the time. a fucking hardcore deep dive cinephile in a specific I, genre. I, I, I was going to say, like, Brian's more of, like, like, the motherfucker hasn't seen Lord of the Rings until, like, two years ago. So, yeah. he's not, you know, like, I, I had right. to fucking convince him that. That was me, that. too. But, but, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to skip over that fucking thing. Yeah. No, you won't. You won't go into that another time. That. Pussy. <laughs> Don't. Don't, Mike. Don't, don't. You were gonna say something. Don't. I, I was gonna. I was gonna say in terms. In terms. In terms of Brian. Brian's knowledge tends to seems to be to me, is that Brian is more of the unknown. Yeah. Unknown. I guess would say you know historical, you know theme dramas because like he'll mention this movie and that movie. I'm like, what the fuck is that? He's like, oh, that's. Uh, 
that's uh you know the Russians are going in the Eastern Front, whatever that fucking one movie you keep trying to the land of something I can't remember, but it's like all that what? stuff. We go about this every fucking like couple months. We still haven't done it. It's the one where they where they use like real Soviet T thirty fours or something like that. Anyway, oh Talvasota. No, although that was one of them too, which that movie's yeah. awesome. I, I have oh, yeah. seen parts of that. That's so a great movie. Yeah. The guy, fuck, the guy uh, gets lit on fire by a Soviet tank and then he lights a cigarette on fire from his burning snow camo. That's a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> the Finns are hardcore. But uh, they what, really are. What yeah. I'm trying to say is Brian's very, very good at picking those one off movies that no one's ever fucking yeah. heard of. And that's yeah. the thing is like, you know, when we talk in person, you know, when we're all together, yeah, Brian, you're, you're the guy that like goes really deep and we go, uh, you go, oh, have you heard of this one? Nope. Heard of this one? Nope. Heard of this one? You know, it's like nonsense. And then we're, we're like, dude, no, we're not fucking, we're nerds. We're all fucking geeks and nerds here, right? But you go into like the deep dives of like um, military history, cinephilia. And you'll know that sounds sounds like a Pornhub category. It really does. It's well, it'd be a really boring category for most people. people. But no, and then you know, so it's cool. Like this one, you got to win. You know, the one that you were you were you were talking so highly about and everything, and like you you just said, oh, it's the best movie ever. Tunnel Rats, nineteen sixty eight. Oh, we we, we did that one. And broken clocks right twice a day. You know, it turned out to be not so great. You know, and you spoke very highly of it, and you were like, "That's my favorite movie," but uh, we we destroyed it. Well, let me give you another really good movie suggestion: (laughs) Toxic Avenger. It's from the eighties. It's a great movie. Oh god! It's about this man who's wronged, and then he fights back and gets revenge. Okay, okay, okay. Michael knows what that is. You you don't have to. Get that, far. but anyway, uh, no, what Nate was saying to, is, is correct, and yeah, well, it, it's again, there's so much cool stuff that's out there that's just fun to watch, and it's I also just, hate... just hard to sift through the bullshit, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, you can it really tell is. after doing this for so long now, you can tell a bad movie pretty quickly, but oh, yeah. you know, I, what I just want to get into people's minds is that, especially in our society today, where we have such short attention spans, is that only just because it's black and white doesn't mean it's bad, give it a shot. Because there's yep. a lot of amazing stuff out there, you know? And, for example, this film was shot in black and white. And back then, there was almost a general rule that you shoot a lot of, general, of like, jungle scenes and films in black and white because so many greens are disorienting, and they don't look good yeah. on color. So uh, as, as cool as that would be, yeah. No, it's just that that is a, actually a common thing that you hear about when you study, like, cinematography, is that, like, jungle as an environment is a nightmare because it's not aesthetically very interesting like uh you know when they made a predator you know or when they made um you know like vietnam films they actually tear a lot of it out like if they're actually going to go to a to a um to location they tear a lot of it out so you can actually see a little bit through it you know yeah normally yeah Mm -hmm. just normally that's just not the case but yeah it's when you shoot like jungle on film you can hardly see anything like I, I think the most famous case of that modernly is Clerks, because they're like, if you shoot fucking color in a convenience store, you're gonna vomit after yeah. a good period of time. And you think <laughs> about it, it's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How many cigarette pack colors are you gonna fucking see over and <laughs> okay. over and over again? Yep. So that's again, just because yeah. it's black and white doesn't mean it's bad. Just give it a shot. There's so much cool shit out there, and you know. The cinema's been out for 130 years. Everyone's been doing crazy shit forever, and nothing is new. So the, awesome. There are a number of movies where it's like, you could not have this in color. You know, it just, it's, it, it, the black and white. Actually, Toy Story. 
<laughs> Listen, motherfucker. No, um, yeah, like, for example, movies that, like, they have to be in black and white. It just, it adds so much, like, Ed Wood. Like, I mean, I'm guess like, yeah. You've seen Ed Wood, right, Brian? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. If either of you have Nate... No, of course not. Of course not. Okay. Of course not. (laughs) Of course not. Even the film you always bring up on here, Nebraska. Nebraska. I love Nebraska. Mm -hmm. You could not do that movie in color. Well, you could, but it wouldn't be the same. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, Ed Wood's the same thing. It's uh, it has to be black and white. And um, I would even say, even though I mean it's a bit older, but the color film was very much a thing back then. At this time, Uh, Psycho, you know, is the same thing. Psycho was actually criticized when it came out for not being in color yeah mm-hmm. uh so they were like what the fuck hitchcock but um yeah it's just like that that mood it's 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 perfect for it yep yeah so so getting back on track i guess um i think i i think this could have been done in color mm-hmm. it could have been but i think it was a lot better done this way because mm-hmm. again we're talking 65 yeah they had fucking color film at that point and yeah go ahead brian i'll say this if you watch because i've never seen a colorized version of this but i've seen a colorized version of uh battle of algiers original is much better and even yeah. in like the, the bazaars yeah. of because the the lizard with everything is just like it's it is a lot it's crazy that sounds like think about um green berets at points it's a lot of of color, you know, even though they're on like a fucking Hollywood, you know, grass, you know, they're in John Wayne's backyard, but like, mm-hmm. you know, it's still, it's just a lot of movies. Uh, there are, uh, oh, it, it is. Oh, sorry. oh fuck. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I wasn't watching. <laughs> I talked to I, I was exhaling my vape. It's okay. So. You can't podcast and not my, watch, Michael. Is it texting and driving? Huh? My, sorry, I'm trying my, to multitask. My, what is this, my, a hanger my, in Idaho? My, Michael, go ahead. I'll, fi- I'll, I'll finish up the thought. We're good. Go we're good. We're good. Go ahead. Good. Okay. All okay. Right. I'll, I'll make this quick. Um, have you ever seen the colorized version of The Longest Day? <coughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it, everything looks like it's made of icing. Like it, everything looks like it's made of frosting. It looks fucking oh, terrible. Yeah. The, the the uniforms are all just like one hundred percent green. It's it's fucking terrible. So there are there are cases where you you colorize something and it just looks like dog shit. Anyway, yeah. that's all oh I'm yeah, say. a lot. No, of no, 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 hundred percent. I mean, what I was gonna say ties into it. It's like there, there, there's there, there's also a difference between filming in color and filming in black and white. When something is purposely filmed in black and white, you have to apply tactics in that filming. And moments and lighting and things are played so much differently in black and white than they are in color. And specifically, when something is digitized to color, uh, you can tell when a movie is like filmed for black and white, especially like if you take like a 1920s, like, you know, L.A. Noir movie. Let's go for the extreme, you know, of of like the guy moves in from the shadow and it's intense music, and then he moves back into the shadow. Like in color, it's completely lost, but in black and white, yeah. you literally have two tones. And it's lighting and stuff is filmed that way. And there's that uh, the scene where that guy, uh, his the 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 guy's name starts with an R, the sergeant who dies, and they show his body and his mouth is open, and there's flies all over him. That's filmed for black and white. I mean, that is filmed for black and white camera and the that's the problem is that when stuff is digital or uh, sorry colorized later a lot of moments don't hit the same versus black and white and black and white has its own look its own feel its own taste yep. and i really really appreciate it 
for the time it is. And even people who do black and white now, like the lighthouse, for instance, let's, let's go modern here. Oh, the lighthouse yeah. is a perfect example of, of those tactics being utilized for the modern cinema. Black and white still can play a huge role in art and everything else. Still, it's not, it's not, it might be antiquated, but it's not a, it's not like useless, you know, uh, Brian. Think about, you know, an equivalent to the time bridge on the river Kwai. That mm. was color. And that's great. I love that film for what it is, you know, at that time and place. But if, you know, thinking of the color and everything, it does take away from it because that would be it's a very so similar much. technology. It's so exactly. Much, yeah. You're you it just it's just too much, too much of an overload, you know. Um, but to bring it off of that into another subject, you know, the combat in this movie like you were saying, is just so well done. And there's like the sound as well. And the Oh my God, I was going to say like, that. Yes, yes. So yes. much was put into little stupid things that only is done for the viewers that know and were there. Again, this is really a movie made by a veteran mm-hmm. for veterans. Like, So one of the things, I'm, I'm going to fucking cut you short because I got to fucking say this before I forget. So... I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in when a lot of the times taking contact and they're the perspective is from they're about two, three hundred yards away, you know, whenever you hear the snap, the of the bullets, and then you hear the afterwards. And I'm like, that is what it actually fucking sounds like. That's what you've got the you've got the report of the actual firing being done same with artillery and everything which they did well in this film as well but like you hear the and they put it in every fucking time every time there was gunfire and i'm like holy shit that's really advanced especially for 65 because yes they did use some stock uh uh, sound effects at certain points and now that we know how to make films a little bit we know what goes into it I get why they did that, but most of that, and when they were shooting the guns, like uh, the guy was shooting the BAR at one point, right? They must have been using live fucking rounds because it looked like it a few times, dude. He's sitting there like this, and it kicks him back a bit, and there's so much smoke coming out of the fucking receiver. I think they're shooting over the the guys they're ambushing, and because I don't think there's a lot of BFA or blanks in Cambodia in 1964. Right, probably but, not. And they're probably the all is, combat veterans yeah, or parts like, of local militias, so they know how to so use this stuff. So fucking real. I'm like, oh, what were you? And because you can, were, yeah, like you said, you can all, see the guys all, down all below. Of, yeah. All of those impacts were hitting past about maybe 20, 30, 50 yards. You know, that's back. still really fucking close. I, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying like, <laughs> yeah. like, like I saw that and I was like, that looks off timed, or maybe that's just something, or maybe they're high. But I'm like, the blanks. I'm like, in Cambodia in '65, a BFA like fucking BAR. They gotta at least be shooting over. Maybe they're shooting, you know, in the berm over them, and then they're putting pyro in the water or something. No, I don't but think. But I, I don't know, man. I like it, it looked really. It, it was really <laughs> yeah. cool. The quick. Uh, another derail but one of my favorite scenes because again i was never in combat i never served in action but something that has pissed me off before is when somebody's using a certain asset in a way that shouldn't be used so when the one uh you know nco goes up and says give me the fucking gm and grabs the bar out of the guy's hands and just like starts running at them and using it oh i thought that was so cool 
Because, you know, there's different ways to show, like, masculinity and stuff. Or, like, people think about Rambo and things. But that was just a really cool scene where it's like, okay, fuck you. You know, and just ripped it out of his hands and used it. And vice versa, another great scene with the same guy is when, you know, he talks about Cherkassi and everything. And they're running out and like, oh, look, he's made it. And the one guy behind him gets shot. And he goes back to rescue him. And all of a sudden, he's down next to him. And you're like, oh, shit. You know, the, the Willsdorf, whoever was the sergeant's dead. And then like five, 10, 15. Oh, and he's up again. And out the, and it's like, again, there's like, you don't have to sh- show like really manly explosion and stuff things to show that this guy knows what he's doing. You know, it's the, it's again, it's kind of like uh, LL, the LL main film we watched, you know, The Line of Fire. It's the little moments that are the best that give it that clarity and just that, that awesomeness. So, yep. Michael. Um, so one of my favorite moments in terms of depict, you know, depicting gunfire, you know, all that stuff is when the radio man gets shot in the arm and, uh, yeah, and he just swings down, hits the ground like instantly and you just see bolts go just pop up next to him. It's like, like that. It's so fast. Um, that sort of thing. I love just like that quick, just and it's like, Oh shit. You know, um, well, all, I, all, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say that like, if I was ever, for future films, if I want to continue doing what I want to do and depicting combat the way I want to in film, like, I would love to do a super cut of this movie to show to, like, effects guys, you know? To see, like, this is what we're going to, this is this is a good template right here. Uh, Mike was going to say something, but, uh, yeah. No, really quick, um, that um, that's, that's really good. And did you, all of you, did you notice that these firefights lasted like 15 20 seconds yeah they're just little bursts and they were done Mm -hmm. that's reality Mm -hmm. it's not hollywood it's reality and that was fucking amazing where it's just things you know rounds going off and then what the fuck's going on okay oh shit man uh and then it's done that's how guerrilla warfare is conducted. And that's how actual combat, usually from guys that I've talked to from every war, like World War II on, that's how it's conducted. It's not this constant. I mean, it does happen where it's constant like that, which is very rare and very not good to be in. But it's usually just like 15, 20 seconds tops of just exchanging gunfire and blah, 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 and you know, all this shit. And they did it so well in this film where it's like, Okay, now we have to deal with the aftermath. Oh, this guy's hit. Oh, he's not dying, but he's hit, you know? But yeah, anyway, Brian. Even that, you know, hearing... What I love about this film, and there's only really one other film I can think of that really does it in this way, is just sometimes hearing is worse than seeing because the the way the imagination works. And there's two scenes in this film that really nail that. And there's the one of when they get to that action and Lieutenant's like firing and he's like, I'm going to get that MG. I'm going to get that MG. And they get the MG. And then all of a sudden the firefight, it gets really, really loud. And there's the shot where like the camera's just on him and his eyes just get louder. And he's looking up and you can just see the fear roll over his face of him realizing like, oh, okay. this We don't know where the fuck this this is coming from. And this is getting a lot worse. This and. The second time you have that in this film is when they're in that ravine and they're all waiting with the wounded and they're, they're trying oh, yeah. to figure out what's happening. Like, oh, fuck. And they're like, the mortar stopped firing. Oh, shit. They're working their way up here. Oh, God. Like, e- I don't, even thinking about it is, is just chilling in a way because it's like, but that's, guys, that's what it was. They're, 
their fate is on a knife's edge, and it's on somebody not dying 200 yards over there. Or, you and know, there's it's only like, one uh, guy. There's only one guy in their entire element that knows what is up. One guy. And they're lucky because they had that guy. Imagine everybody being completely green. That's why a lot of people got killed. You know? You don't know. Like, oh, the mortar stopped. Oh, we got to fucking move. Here's how you do it. Bam, 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 bam. Go, 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 go. And then we'll survive. But if you don't have that one guy, you're fucked. Because, like, the lieutenant was the young guy. And, like, he's like, oh, I've been in there uh, 15 days or something like that. Like, two weeks, basically. That's that's very factual. And he was also, again, as a, a second lieutenant, great because he actually gave a shit about what his NCOs had to say before the one died. And then he's got the one guy left. But he actually goes, I've only been here for two weeks. I'm We just got to do this. And I'm gonna have this hair, this harebrained idea, and the the sergeant, the master sergeant, um, goes, eh, okay, all right, you're the lieutenant, but here's what I've experienced, blah blah blah, and he takes it into consideration, tries it, fucking realizes, he goes, oh, you're right, you're right all the time, so, Mike, although you, that's a great like you know. Those kind of characters, you know, you have the one really hardened veteran badass and then the newcomer and such. What I loved is, though, is that they were never, like, working against each other. No. You know, they were never, like, you know, well, I'll show you or something like that. It was and that's really, the way it should... Yeah. The best case scenario is what was shown in this film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that's like the they, best case scenario. They all wanted to live. They didn't want to be, you know, rivals or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Brian? It's like, this is the opposite of Platoon. Yeah. 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 That's, that you know, these are shit. men on a mission of getting out mm-hmm. of a situation. And what's insane to fucking think about is that this was shot right before your Vietnam War got really hot. And if you edit these sequences, you know, you could make this look like Indochina footage or early Vietnam or mid war Vietnam footage because of just, you know, fighting Indochina is the same with automatic weapons. You're in a ju- you're in this fucking tropical rainforest with camouflage and automatic firearms. It doesn't look that different. Like just the way this is shot and the fact it came out in 1965 and that for the next, you know, 8 years there was fighting in country with the US troops. Yep. It's just insane. Think about it. American true 18-year-olds going to Vietnam in 1969 and having the same exact experiences that are depicted in this film. What well, was worse what happened because, to guys 11 years yeah. before that. It's yep. just like in boggles my mind, you know. It, it, like, it's insane. Holy fucking it's just shit. Like, so, you know, it, it's <clears throat> We'll talk about the weapons in a second before we go to IMFTV because there's some things that are awesome and I want to fucking discuss them. But uh, yeah, it's the whole thing of like the Viet Minh when they kind of came together, which eventually became the both the NBA and VC, right? The NBA didn't exist at this point. There was no North Vietnamese army. There was no, it was, it was in its infancy at that point, very infancy, right? And the Viet Minh were just people who were fighting for whatever ideal they thought and, you know, whatever. And then those guys are the ones who became officers, senior NCOs in the VC and the NVA when the Americans eventually went there about 10 years later in force. And those are the guys who go, well, the French were a good force. They were not to be fucked with. 
and we beat them. So here's how we beat them. Oh, these guys have a lot more helicopters now. Their supply route is a lot better than the French. All right, we'll adapt. We'll pivot. And we're going to fucking beat them this way. You know, so it's like it, it was just a fucking uh, 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 kickoff for this whole thing. And yeah, I mean, if you think about it that way, it's just like, I mean, because 10 years, it's a long time, but it's really not, you know? And yeah, I mean, Indochina, that whole conflict, like when it, when it pretty much ended, I say pretty much because it's, you know what I mean? It's, it didn't end, but it, the French mainly pulled out after Dien Bien Phu, right? And this time period of this film taking place, they were like, fuck this. We cannot expend these resources anymore. We're done. And then by 55, they were mostly out of Viet- or Indochina at that point. Well, and then you know, Americans started going there. It, it really, you know, goes back to colonialism in the 1800s and, you know, yep. the, the French needing places to, for their ports of call and Europeans, whatever, you know, and, and people don't realize, I think that, you know, back then Indochina was fucking Laos, Cambodia and Vietnam. It was mm-hmm. huge. Mm-hmm. It was most of the peninsula, yeah. you know, besides Thailand. And it was a huge area, yep. multiple provinces and everything. Vietnam itself, North and South before that even, but you know, whatever, how you want to look at it was three provinces alone. Yeah. Um, so it was just a massive fucking place. And that's one thing they do show with this film. Yes. It's the yep. vastness of it. You know, like you're like ants in a fucking sandbox. Well, and, you know? and they're calling they're calling the enemy Viets, right? They're in yes. Cambodia. Yeah. But they're calling them Viets. Like, okay, well, it's not Cambodia. Cambodia is a province of Indochina. And the Viet, you yeah. know, that's the that's but the crazy. What, thing, what is now know? modern day Cambodia? They were probably right. Oh yeah, just mm-hmm. north of you know the Iron Triangle. That and they knew it right as now. Cambodia, yeah. Yeah, but it was just you know, the, in Cambodia in the province of Indochina. Yep. So, and, but yeah, yeah. You, no, you got the history right and everything. But it's crazy because all these guys, like they showed in uh, Battle of Algiers, had all this experience of resistance during the Second World War, and then forty five happens, the war ends. De Gaulle wants the empire back. The Frenchmen are hurt because they lost the empire. Then they launch into these fights around the world to keep the empire for nine to 12 years, you know, first in Indochina. And then like they mentioned, the end of this movie, Algeria, and it just gets really, really bad, you know, but 54 was the real end of that struggle where they're being supplied with us shit, which is very accurate. I loved seeing that in this film. And the Viet Minh are being supplied with captured us shit. From the Korean War. And that was yes. one of the reasons that they were able to take on DMB and Fu because they had captured American 155 millimeter howitzers for the first time. Yeah. So it, it's this it, it's this amazing dichotomy, you know, as the Korean War winds down, Indochina really heats up in this last year, you know, and it's this very long conflict. It's called the Dirty War in France. You know, it's uh, it's really, really bad. And all these people fought it for such a long period of time. In the beginning, <laughs> they had British troops and French troops that were in um, Vietnam. And uh, at one point, the British realized that there's no reason that British troops should die for, you know, British or French imperialism. So they decided to use all these Japanese POWs that were there. And a lot of Japanese POWs died and then also joined the Viet Minh. And they fought with the Viet Minh because they realized, I'm never going to get home. So it's like all this... either way, yeah. Dude, it's crazy, yeah. So, like, you have Japanese veterans fighting with, like, anything you can get your hands on. And even they have one Viet Minh in the film who they capture who looks great. Like, that's what a Viet Minh looked like in the 50s. So, 
No, it's just there's just so many layers to this thing that's just so great, you know. Um fucking look at some of my notes here, but uh in the oh actually I want to share my screen for a second, Mike, if you don't mind. Oh yeah, this scene, yeah. Talk about sound design and everything. And they're using fucking P14s, which is so no, correct. No, it's M1917 P- service. Or M9, sorry, M1917s. Yep. Which is so legit. It a hundred percent legit, yes. And the sound of a carbine, like you know, being shot rapidly is just but, so. But they actually have it in this film, like oh, they I know. Must but have s- used live rounds, and they must have done some sound recording. Yep, the cyclic rate of a carbine just like being hammered away is just frightening when you hear it from far away. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're you're in some shit, dude. Because everyone hears their garands galore, you know, and the way that everyone's put together as well, you know. Yep. There's no ne- unnecessary shit. It's like and it's not also, to... the language they're using is very correct for somebody in a combat zone. And he's also not just going cyclic. Right, yeah. He's doing bursts. And and it looks shot. it looks like actual live rounds. Jesus, look at that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's what it would look like. It's Yeah. I've seen actual bullets hit water before. It's just Yeah, like and that. the sound though, even on top of that. It's amazing. The yeah. crack I'm gonna get that well, gun. Let's get a rifle grenade on it. Yeah, I love the shots. Those those distant, like that zoomed in. They just look so good. When the fuck do you see rifle grenades? Yeah, when you see them a lot through Vietnam, even. But I mean, in film, and those, and that's the, that's yeah. the correct, that's the correct, uh, correct thirty six. Uh, yeah, it's not a it's not thirty one. It's not a thirty six fifty one. It's a, no, it's the a thirty. It's, it's the thirty six. It's the it's the thirty six. Um, the LG, uh, fucking the, the 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 thing that you would stick on the end of the muzzle. It's not the it's not the thirty six. Right, right. But it's yes, yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah, these and are all I, correct weapons. And I love how exciting it is too. It's the way it's edited. It's put together. You know, it makes you. I don't have to see the round go through the air when a fucking edited three yeah. shit. You, I can just he, fucking watch his eyes. He you uses, know? yeah, that that, that scene is, was I was talking about with when he uh, yeah, yeah that stare. Fuck. That's fucking storytelling. Yeah, the, yeah, it was it, the sound, like you said, for 1965, this is more advanced than most modern war films as far as sound. Than and most films, most war films, period. I yeah. Mean, it's just, yeah. It, it, it's so good. Yeah, it's really good. And yeah. Yep. And again, more things I loved in it are like the when they have the, uh, the Singapore radio either interfere. Or coming to that's something that comes up in a lot of memoirs. They would all listen to that shit because you know it was it's right there. <laughs> Nate, are you alive? Yeah, I'm alive. I just got nothing. To, I just don't know the history, so I can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and from a filmmaking aspect, though, I think it's, yeah, what it's you... great because yeah, I don't know shit about it either. It's it's awesome, but you know, like Michael was saying, you know, this Cinema Verde. It's funny, I, I didn't know that name because mm-hmm. I forget who was it. Who was the really famous one? That, he just died. Jean Luc. Jo- uh, 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 I was about to say Jean Luc Picard. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he he was like you know a big part of that whole French you know new wave of cinema, and this is that, but it's not like what Nate was saying, like you know very French new wave. It's gritty it's you know real it's, it's fucking real yeah it's exactly. the other end of the spectrum it's like you know we're gonna te- we're gonna have a war film as real as fucking possible and show it as real as possible that's how we're gonna do our version of you know cinema verde 
and as opposed to you know other ways to approach it but it's just the grittiness that's the it's gonzo this is yeah. this is like the ultimate gonzo war film that style you know? is what i want to capture for future like war films so yeah this is a good this is a good example what this looks like to me honestly is it looks like a documentary Mm-hmm. That was filmed in 1954. Even though it's impossible back then to have something of this quality, even if you fucking try, you can get all the film and all the cameras and all that shit. Maybe the sound recording equipment. It's impossible to get all that shit back there, as we found out. It's fucking insanely difficult. So, to me, this this resembles and looks like what it would have looked like having a film crew embedded with these guys it's less shaky of course because it is still a film but you see the interaction the the writing was actually really good too like i didn't realize they're gonna swear this much yeah yeah for a for a film from this time period yeah (laughs) but but here's the thing is like when you're in that situation uh vets that i've talked to again from world war ii on to nowadays oh yeah when you're in that situation you swear in every other word it's just, it's kind of, um, some psychologists have, have done studies on this. So like swearing is somewhat cathartic while you're experiencing stress and whatever. I don't know what and the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> you're not experiencing name. any stress, Nate. So fuck you. Uh, no, I never, but, uh, never, ever in the history of the like I cut so fucking goddamn much. But no, it's like the, 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 the realism is like, so, cause, um, when you look at World War One veterans, for example, they swore terribly, and they got home and they had to get out of that habit because in public that wasn't the norm. It wasn't. It wasn't good to. You, you can't. You can't just go and cuss in public. And so the fact that they actually made this film and they actually just showed how soldiers talk in this situation, very impressive. I was not expecting that at all. I really wasn't. So. Every motherfucking cast member is on point and present in these scenes, you know? There's not one, you know, fucking auxiliary, auxiliary like, you know, Viet Minh or Cambodian guy that's with them that's not in the current moment. Auxiliary. Nobody's there for a paycheck, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it, it's just... No, it's they're great. in it. They're in it. You know? And- yeah. Everybody's in it. You know, all the stupid shit in the background that doesn't matter. Because if you're on, if you've ever been on a scene on a film set, you know that it's just make busy work for people in the background. And it's how good are they at making that busy work? And this is just fucking insane the whole time. You know, it's like no one looks like they don't know what to do at any moment. They're afraid. They're, you know, ready to go. They're whatever, you know. I wonder if they really even told these guys, like, listen, you know, we're we're going to go to the woods and film a documentary, so it looks like we're fighting. (laughs) Not even mention it's a movie, because they're that good. Again, this right here, because we can't hear it, that looks Mm -hmm. like documentary footage, right? Yeah, the whole time. It doesn't look like a film. And what's crazy is that, so, this film won Best Picture at Cannes in 1965, and Peter Schaffner ends up going to Vietnam. And he makes a documentary very similar to the way this is shot called The Anderson Platoon, where he follows the first African-American graduate of West Point to Vietnam with his platoon. And it's really insane. And it got an Oscar in 1967 for the best picture. So it's crazy to think that he makes this movie in Cambodia in 65 
distribute or 64 distributes it and then goes back to Vietnam with the Anderson platoon films a documentary just like this. Peter Schaffner is a crazy guy. And then later on in the nineties, he makes DMB and Fu, which is the other really good movie about Indochina. But this is way better, in my opinion. We'll get to the other one. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if you're that far oh, removed... That, oh, like, it's, a, it's that same guy? Yeah, same guy makes both films. Oh, okay. But if you're that far removed from the actual events that are happening, it's harder to convey the uh, actual um, I guess environment and, the, and the, the... What the hell is the... The, the atmosphere. It, it's hard to do that. The, the farther time goes on, it's harder to convey that, and that's why I think this, even though it was, you know, 10 years after this was supposed to take place, it's still fresh enough. But if he made if he made Dian Fu in the 90s, that's 40 years or 30 years after, or no, 40 years after Dian Ben Fu happened. 40 years, yeah. And it, it, think about- you lose some elements of that because, so he goes back to Vietnam. And makes that he's in it. He's he's right there. He's experiencing it, and then he immediately cuts this and, and, and or not not this, but like the other film that he made, Anderson Platoon. He immediately cuts it. You're right there. It's there. It's it's fucking fresh. Whatever, and that's and it's weird because there's kind of a, a fucking a weird paradigm thing of like a, a shift of now we can just look at YouTube and like figure out. You know, we can get combat footage that's uploaded on YouTube or, or live leak or whatever, wherever you get your, you know, bloody shit gore porn. But like, um, it's not necessarily a film and like, it doesn't convey a message. It's just a bunch of pieces of it. Right. And this, this conveyed, this is a whole, this is the whole cake. It's not just a piece. And yeah, that's why I liked it a lot. And it, yeah, the, the radio. Oh, my God, the radio guy. I felt so fucking bad for him. Yeah. Stop it's singing like, and crank it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> fucking stand on that thing. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great... Like, when do you care about a motherfucker cranking a radio generator? You know? Like, I like how like when, he, uh, when he gets up and farts in that guy's face. Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, the part where this guy, this wounded guy, dies, I thought was really interesting where the the lt he falls asleep and then his guy comes up and he goes he just wakes up oh he's dead you know chief he's dead <laughs> just and there's wakes. immediately the flies and the bugs yep on his face immediately mm-hmm. yep and again let's put it in context it's 1965 right he's talking about leaving france to go to vietnam in 1954 and he's talking about protests in yeah. vietnam this is a fucking movie it came out before LZ X-Ray. Yep. It's just like... Yeah, exactly. Tell and me the writing wasn't on the wall without telling me the writing was on the wall. Well, there's the probably a reason this thing oh. gets super popular. Well, you know? It was a niche French film from the 50s. Or 60s. There's a lot of them. But niche, but... Uh, I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah. No, but I mean, there's probably a reason it, got, it, got, it didn't get as popular as it did because it's like, well, we have interest now in going there. And if people actually see this film because it shows... I mean, these guys' lives suck. It's fucking terrible. And the, the locals are just fucking, they don't give a shit. They just want the fighting to stop and not affect them, you know, which carried through throughout the entire U.S. Vietnam War, you know. And the fucking first and second Sino-Vietnam Wars in the 70s, right? There's there's so many cool things in this film, like, but they're all fucking real. Like, again, it looks like 
now that we don't have the sound, it looks like we're watching documentary like footage. So I so I have a question. What does FM mean? Uh, that's a that's what they call a machine gun. Fusil. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's the word for yeah, machine. gun. I figured it's their acronym yeah. for like he- bring up but, the heavy God, machine gun or whatever. Me. Um, yep. The the um the one part in here which is the them them coming across the river, the uh, the sound effects of the monkeys, screaming. Yeah. Oh my Dude, god! Yeah, that's a hundred percent. I mean, again, I'm following Brian's footnote here. Not serving not any type of military but jungle warfare with monkeys with all the vets i've talked to you've done training in panama and grenada and all that stuff mm-hmm. dude the monkeys are awful Scream. awful well yeah because they because they follow you they're like they're like homing beacons because they follow you for the food but they also let you know the moment you like walk in and they start screaming and howling like that's a whole that's a hundred percent real um, so FM stands for Fusil uh, Mitrailleuse, mitraille which means machine gun. So, so it's a, it, it literally translates to gun machine gun. Okay. So, yeah. And the uh, yes, if you're French, this... I'm sorry, I butchered your language. My bad. And the irony of this film is that they get to where they're going, and it's already fallen. Yeah, but. <laughs> But Vilsdorf knows that, and he's trying to tell him. But here's the thing. Vilsdorf is my favorite character in this whole fucking film because, not just because he's a badass, but because of what he says. He's not an asshole to this new second lieutenant. Right? He's not a prick to him. He just goes, at the beginning, goes, yeah, that place has fallen. We should probably figure out a different way. Oh, no. Lieutenant goes, nope. (laughs) And then he goes... Okay. And then he just tries to, to mitigate and, you know, minimize a lot of the casualties, but he knows that he's not, he's not saying, Hey, I've been here longer than you fuck stick. He's a really smart guy. Cause he goes that, that, that approach is just going to get him in trouble. And so, yeah, he's, he, at one scene, he does say, Oh, you're in charge, you know? Um, right there. Yep. You know, this film is based off of, uh, his, the director's experiences at DMB and Fu. And there's the one scene that's pretty cool in it where, like, they see all the torches at night. Yes. And that was one thing they talked about, um, A, along the Ho Chi Minh Trail during the Vietnam War, B, um, during the Battle of D&B and Fu, that when the pilots would fly in to drop supplies at night, yep. all the all the Vietnamese supply lines would be torched, and you'd see torches moving in yep. the night. And the thousands, tens of thousands of torches. And they were, that's how they knew they were kind of fucked. <laughs> but it was that's, just, you know, yeah. very, again, just filmmaking at its best you know I showing agree. not yep. telling stand he just said stand up on the radio fuck face yeah <laughs> yeah well, dude because you're getting jammed if you can get yeah. you know, more power out then you can beat him and that was a really cool scene so they have the one airdrop which was very common during the war in Indochina. that was pioneered by the chindits in burma in 1942 43 um but what i thought was really cool about that was that the Viet Minh, you know these people are really smart they have their fake drop with their fake fucking cross on the ground you know like it's it's not just like oh they're using our radio and they're jamming us it's it's so well done and thought out you know well that's what we still like if we if we if we're getting like a supplied or whatever even nowadays um on the radio you pop smoke or whatever and you don't say i popped red smoke 
Because then guess what? They're listening. You know they're listening all the time. They're going to pop red smoke, and then the person's going to go there, the pilot or whomever. Um, if you go signal out, and they go, I see red smoke, and I popped green, I'm going to go negative, not my signal. You don't ever say I pop green smoke, because then again, that's why we don't ever say on the radio, and this is like common knowledge nowadays, but like, you know, it's not like I'm giving any way military secrets but like that's why we 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 are very particular about when we do a drop or anything like that it, you know if we call and look for like a nine line medevac and we need somebody to come in we always say not my signal and if they confirm like oh i see green smoke affirmative and then they're going to go on that green smoke so if they see another green smoke pop up they're going to go oh that's not ours and that's why is because those guys were so fucking smart the Viet men who eventually became the NVA and the Viet Cong were so smart. They would, they would fuck around the logistic line like that and they would end up getting a shitload of supplies. And that has not changed at all. And man, more power to you. This scene, I actually did like a lot because they're down in the, the they're down toward the end spot. Yeah. Yeah. Toward the end when they're by that waterfall, that's well, a really cool. And scene. it's like that, that again, I don't know if they use live fucking rounds. It sure looked like they fucking did around these actors. Because I really think they did. And that last shot where they get attacked and they're in the valley. Yeah. By the waterfall is so cool. And how it's all wide and everything. Yeah. Fucking, it's just, you know, what more do you want from a war movie? Yeah. So, but yeah, this scene was really fucking cool and they got hit. Because Again, everything that's like, there's so many parts of this movie where all the action is happening way at a distance and it's done so well. Yeah. You know, that's usually what you see too. Yeah. It's usually how you would see it. You see your guys getting fucked up and you're like, "Uh Oh, what do we do? Well, in that situation, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck do you do? You know, I mean, everything besides the like, okay. Okay. So those fucking, those, those rifle impacts or like those bullet impacts. I've never seen any sort of pyro on any set in any film, even back then, that looks that realistic. They must have hired the people from Rust. Oh! <laughs> Never gonna let that one go. <laughs> Charges are pending. <laughs> no, fuck him. We, we used live rounds and nobody got shot. No, nobody even yeah, came close. And that so was fresh them. in our minds when we did that. Oh, yeah. So fuck them. That... But you know what I mean? Like around and find out. Yeah. Those those besides the explosions, like the explosions, yeah, you can't really put a live grenade about thirty yards away from somebody and have it go off and nobody's gonna get hurt. But so those were like whatever. But the the actual impacts of the web, like the rifles and small arms, looked very fucking real, like uncomfortably real. So if 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 they did use pyro. They have got the single best fucking pyro that I've ever fucking seen in my life for replicating impacts of small arms. Right there. Oh, right. my God. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yes. Those had to be live bullets going into that thing. Dude. Ready? Go back. Yeah, Watch. go back. Stop. Go back. Right here. Bam, 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 bam. They, they, they had... That was live rounds. Look at this. Yeah, you... Holy Fuck. How scary is that? 
Oh, I know what it is. Oh my god, yeah, so that dude, was live he's, rounds. He's standing off to the right side of the camera. That 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 and they're that. fire and they're firing from two o'clock to seven o'clock. Holy yep. fuck, man. Okay, so it does answer my question because that that is unequivocally answers the question. Like, yeah, you do not get that with oh, those are fucking live fucking rounds going through at an angle. They yeah. were like, they're probably like, hey, we want we need to get some squibs over here, and he just said, bring the fucking machine gun over and shoot it. <laughs> you know, like and then he grabs his carbine, like fuck, fuck squibs. We're not gonna use squibs. <laughs> oh man! So this this film was a lot more seriously filmed than you can get away with nowadays. Holy shit! That's fucking awesome. Oh man, dude! Like, could you imagine no earplugs? You're an actor, and you're just like, you got live rounds going about three <laughs> feet away from your head. Jesus Christ! That this... fucking director shot a machine gun at us. <laughs> Again, it looks like documentary footage. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't like, listen to it, you just look at it like it's like I'm watching 1950s Restrepo. Yeah, exa- there you go. <laughs> that that's uh, a really yeah. good analogy. I like that. Yeah. The the one thing I noticed that I thought was really cool is that it just starts raining randomly off right? and on throughout scenes yep. and stuff like that, and it's oh, because of it? the area. Yeah, it's raining right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, actual rain, not the movie rain. Oh yeah, no, it's right. <laughs> And the, the actors are just reacting to it. But there was what there was one yeah. shot. There was one scene that like it starts raining, and I'm like, "What's that noise?" And it's like it keeps getting louder and louder and louder. It's the rain moving in through the middle of the set, and that's the uh, that's the when the radio man has to like pick up all the stuff because they're moving out like halfway through the film. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, this is way the fuck ahead of its time, and it's probably still. This is one of the best per- portrayals of. It doesn't matter if it's Vietnam, Indochina, whatever. It's the best portrayal yeah. of modern combat, mm-hmm. I think, that I've seen in a while, to be honest. Yeah, me too. This film is black and white. This film is of troops in combat wearing combat gear in black and white. And it's a fascinating how within five feet into the jungle, you fucking lose everybody. Oh, yeah. Now, you can only imagine, if this is a color, with camouflage, how even in half that distance, you lose the person. Well, and that's you know? like, like, in Platoon, like... Even though they cut a bunch of the brush away, they mm-hmm. they I think Platoon got and Hamburger Hill to an extent, but um, Platoon yeah. got that kind of effect where, dude, unless you're five feet away from the next guy, you're gonna fucking lose him. It's yeah. done. Like mm-hmm. you gotta you gotta you gotta and you can't talk if you're on a patrol. You have to just know, and that's where the formations came out and everything, like the fire team wedge and all that shit, and. Uh, it really came into play rather it didn't come out then but and then yeah it's you're in an open area right here and then all of a sudden across that river it's fucking dense it's really dense you're gonna lose guys right it's it's just you know i god i love the fucking firefights in this in this film because again it's over it's over yep that's it it was five five or six seconds what I love more is they had the balls to do it and show it. Yeah. You know? Like, there's just... There's nothing else like this movie. No, it's it's really good. Oh, this is the last scene I wanted to grab. Yeah. He's doing the... Ring watch, watch. Him. Yeah, I know. Ready? And... Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God! <laughs> that was a legit muzzle flash. That wasn't a fucking blank. Whoa! They're what shooting the right fuck? behind him. He's run. shooting over the other guy that's sitting there. Yeah. They said, "Don't worry, we're we're you know, we'll we'll try not to actually hit you." Holy fuck, man! 
People were crazy. Damn, dude. People like, were crazier back then when it came to stuff like again, that. Again, if those, if those were fucking... If that was pyro... No, that's not pyro. There's no fucking way that's pyro. Yep. Bam. <laughs> oh, that's not pyro, dude. That's not pyro. <laughs> Holy fucking shit, man. This is dudes in the woods with cameras and machine guns and probably no life insurance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, just cameras in the, in the woods with machine guns and cameras and machine No life insurance. Yeah. No life insurance. Oh, my God. Because hey man, yeah, you I mean, fucking that... suffer, you fucking suffer for your art, you know. So Nate, 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 well, well, fuck you for saying that, Mike. Because like whatever, but so Mike and Nate, what do you think about the actual effects? I mean, I, I, I mean, I know it's not obviously rotoscoped, so you know, like, so like, you know, it's like it, it's it's real to it's practical, obviously, but to what extent, I do not know. I I want to say it's real, but. The person in me, or the the realist, is me saying it's probably just really good timing. It could also, if it is live, it could also be two different uh, avenues of approach. Meaning, like someone shooting in front of him while someone shooting behind him to protect him from being the in between. But that's the only thing I could think. I think it's a combination of both. Yeah. I think because yeah. I know I have heard things from like the '30s and such, where uh, in like gangster movies. They actually would have like sharpshooters uh, on the set shoot at the walls and such like that to simulate. Like that was their first way of doing it. So I think maybe it's the combination of both. I mean, still it's fucking insane. But like that thing with the with the radio man that we just saw. Yeah, I, I don't think that was. And the same thing with the rivers, like with the bullets hitting the water. Yeah. Like I think that's real. That's yeah, probably it, being shot from guys like on the sides to where they were like making sure they couldn't actually hit him or something but i don't know but, but fucking yeah it's still yeah. insane it's still insane no it, yeah. it, it's really awesome yeah it's just fucking insane to like i don't know if again if, if those were just all effects like practical effects they did better than probably anything i've seen in a film and not to mention it's a real fucking supply drop from a c-47 Right, yeah, they're going out and retrieving. You know what that would cost today? Like, what, what, oh, what's Jesus a Christ! What's a running C forty seven? You know, like it's just crazy. They must have yeah. actually just filmed it. You know, had like a bunch of different cameras film it from the ground. All those shots of it going way over there, dropping, then coming around. Yep. That must have been all just one big thing that they filmed and then edited it into that. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Because they couldn't have done then, that in multiple takes. And what's cool is I love the beginning. You know, oh, not that, but like the beginning of over the Just trees, the helicopter shot, and how it goes into the camp. It's a know? lot like it's a lot like Tunnel Rats when they did that whole sequence at the beginning, <laughs> and it was really good. <laughs> but that, know, this movie inspired Uwe Boll. Yeah, yeah. Yes. This, this is what he used as inspiration. But yeah, you have the, that's why it was so good. Yeah, you, you you have you know the shots of from the air, and then you have the flag coming down, and then to bookend at the end, you have this whole action go on. The lieutenant kills himself, and then these guys are on the move, and then you're picked out of the jungle again, you know. And it's like it just—it really makes you think when you see all that lush jungle, you know, fly over it. It's like they had the the joke that uh, when you flew to Vietnam with like a civilian airline, you're like, oh, you're going to the uh, the world's hottest spot of the world, and they would joke about it and stuff. And like, well, you're flying over jungle where guys are killing each other. So it's just a really interesting way to like you know start it in the air and end it from the air at the same point. Mm-hmm. But I just love like you're you're snatched out of it right at the end yep you know just as these guys and who knows 
do they make it to the next point? Probably not. You know, oh, no, they, somewhere they're, they're out pro- there, they, they're probably toast. It, it's almost like a Twilight Zone ending yep. to me, yep. and I love it. You know, just like a and somewhere out there in the Twilight Zone, you know, they're they're trying. They maybe they make it over the Red River and back to Hanoi. Probably not. You don't need maybe a, the tiger food. You don't need to for a story like this. You don't need to have a, you know, satisfying conclusion. You yep. Know, for for this kind of movie. Yeah. It's just that it, don't mean to don't don't mean to do a little self promotion here, but it's kind of like with Reveille where it just it goes to the next thing. You know, it just yeah. You don't, you yeah. just don't know how it. What, right. Yeah, it's just okay. That's it. Yeah. You know, it's a very small chapter in a very big war. Yep. So for this week's sticker trivia, many German veterans did end up serving in the Wehrmacht. And in this film, they allude to that multiple times with the characters. One of the battles they mentioned is a very famous battle from the Eastern Front that had French troops in it. So what unit was Wilsdorf in on the Eastern Front that was at Cherkasy and also Berlin? First person to message the... And Kharkov as well, to message the Facebook or the Instagram that will get a sticker. So I think it's time for IMFDB. Wait, wait, wait. Vilsdorf's nose is fucking gargantuan. He's got a schnoz. (laughs) He's got a fucking... He can smell pussy a mile away. (laughs) Field. Oh, my God. Um, Matt, 49? Yes. Yes. I'll I'll take 10. I'll take 20. 1,000. Yep, dude. Yeah. I also love the fact that, like in this in this film, they showed like a lot of them when they're like not in combat, they just fold the fucking magazine and the magazine well forward. Yeah, they're just like you know to stow it because it's easier to carry that way. That Hot. was a fucking great submachine gun. Oh yeah, mm. it What's, just looks so cool. What too. sucks is that the parts kits were everywhere about <sighs> in the early two thousands, and now they're almost non-existent, and they're like two thousand dollars. Yeah. There's, there's a, a guy that's making a 3D printed one I saw. Uh, there's a museum here in Boise that has one. Hot. Yeah, yeah they're really so small. Cool. Like they're really not that big. Yeah, it's like they're, a giant pistol. It's basically like a, it's a grease gun in nine millimeter, but like as far as like how it feels, but it is so much more well designed than yeah, it's it's a fucking nice submachine gun. The 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 Vietnamese or the Viet Cong uh Repurpose them to like what fire like seven point sixty by twenty five. Yeah. Yes. A few. Okay. Of them. Yeah. I just love them. They're just. I don't know what's cooler, uh, like a Viet Minh or Viet Cong soldier using one, or like a French soldier looking. As far as the look, like it's just so cool. If you pick one up, it's like plus fifteen, just coolness. Yeah. Like, I don't care who you are. Swing on the <laughs> Plus fifteen. Jesus Christ, you fucking yeah, nerd. It's like Stephen Hawking's. Like, okay, you know, here you go. Well, you got to beat down the midgets to get to them, so you know. Yep. It's not a fucking end field, but okay, we'll, we'll go through this. <laughs> Again, it, it, crazy to think that this rifle was used so heavily in this conflict, dude. You know? Those they made so fucking many of them, and they exported them because that was considered an inferior rifle. It was just like, oh, it's one of these things we have in our arsenal uh, let's just set it off and it's like yeah, dude that's a better rifle than 1903 i don't give a fuck what you say it's a better rifle than the fucking 1903 well just like let's think about this a conflict where carbines you know um m17s fucking uh mat 49s bars and 2429s the french light machine guns are yeah. all correct to be in the same place oh god yeah. with 30 cals you know, like it's just crazy to think about that. And everybody's wearing some really cool version of camouflage or yep. American camouflage. Like it's just it's such a crazy conflict. 
What what is it? Is it um I don't know if it's all rifles in general, but uh, isn't there a thing to where it's like a certain rifle you take it to a jungle and if it spends enough time there, like the wood will turn black or something? No, it just bubbles and gets it gets corroded over time. Okay, because of the moisture. The- Vietnam War bringbacks for documented ones and ones that aren't. If you if you know they came from a vet, I mean, um, they have a certain look, and for some reason they become very black. It, and usually, you know, it's moisture into the stock and stuff. But from my experience, at least, jungle guns usually come very become very black. Other guns get used and their stocks become black and stuff. But just there's a certain wear to the but whole is, thing. Isn't like uh, you it's know just, like Enfields in Burma or something? Isn't that like a thing? Like they they turn black yeah. or something? That's something they get I've very heard. dark. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Well, like the the uh, Ishapur Enfields, they used to paint them brown with a paint. Uh, it was a tropical treatment because they would rust so much and stuff. So, mm. and even the French had a berthier that was Indochina that had a, a stiffener in the stock because mm. the stocks would swell a lot. And that's just um, that's just because that of issue. the humidity. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. The one carbine. Yeah, I was so glad that they were using these in this film. Hot the whole time. Oh yeah, and this—they have a, just such a, a plunky sound that's <laughs> so cute. I could shoot those things all <laughs> yep. day. They're fucking. Yeah, yeah, you shot mine when you were over here. Yeah, I was like, can I just yeah. do this for like twenty hours? Yeah, they're fucking awesome. <laughs> they're, they're awesome. They're great. They're awesome you, weapons. You better I, bring your fucking checkbook to shoot that much fucking thirty thirty. <laughs> I know. It'll probably oh, cost 30, you that 30. times a thousand. Don't they shoot? No, sorry, thirty cal. Sorry. Thirty cal, sorry. dude. Thirty my carbon. My my brain. Yeah. I was smart enough to buy a fucking shitload of it before things got more ridiculous. So that's the next. That's the next thing I want to get is one of those. Yeah, M1 carbines are. I think. I think there's enough of them to arm. Well, there's enough of them made to arm pretty much everybody in the United States. And I wish everybody would just have one of those because they're fucking awesome little guns. I've been lucky enough to put a few hundred rounds through a few of them, paratrooper ones, and not, and they're just. I love carbines. They're fucking they're awesome so much, guns. Oh my god, it's so much fun. Fucking awesome. It's like they're the American assault rifle. Yeah, exactly. I love them. Moss thirty six. Yeah, another probably one of the best bolt guns for the military ever fucking made. The only thing cooler than a French Moss thirty six is a French CR thirty nine, which I is what was also in. Oh no, the Virtual version. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that. Yeah. But the Moss 36, man, it, it, it's it's yeah, such a good a fucking rifle. Mm-hmm. Think about the ammunition in the squad. 9mm, 30-06, yep. and 7.5. Big problem. Big problem. Yeah. Logistics, you know? And it's like, yeah, it's... Well, the CR-39 fires a 7.5, so it was the same thing, mm-hmm. but, you know. And there's um, no pistols at all, which is interesting. Didn't didn't isn't the Mat forty nine shoot like some weird French caliber? No, it was it was originally um seven something, long. but they, they just made it nine mil. Seven three five okay. long, I think. Yeah. Yeah, they, I, they I just, couldn't I couldn't they, remember if they made if it was nine mil, if it was like it was designed French. in that weird fucking caliber and then they just were like, no, standardized nine mil. Right, yeah. Seven three five nine is very similar to thirty carbine, if I remember correctly. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no yes. it's fine. Whatever. It's uh, Moss 49s. Yes, I was those. really happy to see this in mm-hmm. this film because they were in Indochina, definitely. 
Yeah, heavily. Yep. And the forty fours, which were very similar to these, were used by the Marines a lot. In yeah, but they were the, the numbers of those that were made were so fucking small. And then the forty nine yeah. was the better version of that. And then the forty nine fifty six came out, you know, years later. But like, yeah, the forty nine, um, it's a it's a pretty it's blocky as shit, but out to about three hundred yards. Yeah, you're gonna hit your fucking target. It's, it's a lot like the you know blocky post war battle rifles that initially come out like the FN forty nine, yep. very similar to that you know it's yep. chunky. And that 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 reticle is a fucking PU reticle. Yeah. So it's not the fucking correct reticle and whatever. That's a small detail. Piece of shit movie. I think I. Yeah. <laughs> I think. <Yep. laughs> I think the um. I think it is a post thing like that, but I, I don't. Yeah, but know. it's it's not. That I don't know for sure to be honest. Well, I keep trying to buy one for mine, but all the boomers keep making them go up to nine hundred to almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, I have a fifty-six. So, yep. So do I. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, <sighs> yeah, it's a weird thing. Yeah, the nineteen eighteen A two, and that <laughs> those fucking things again. We made so fucking many of them towards the end of World War Two that we just were like, oh, allies. Yeah, here, here you go. Here you go. It's such a great shot. That is a fucking, and also they used it how it should be used and how it actually was used. Three to in, four round bursts instead of just brrr, dumping a whole mag on you know? slow. <laughs> yeah, but no, I, I love that that factor that they were using the weapons how they were actually used. Mm-hmm. So there was care taken. Yep, Mills bomb. Yep, yeah, it was a Mark V. They probably had. Yeah, it's probably Mark V. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Twenty-two millimeter. Yeah, that was the twenty-two millimeter became the standard NATO grenade launching uh, uh, size, basically, hmm. um, for every weapon, like every grenade launcher and everything. They're like twenty-two millimeters. That's going to be our standard. At this time, when they made that, it wasn't, but it became that. So yeah, it's looks very akin to a sixty mil mortar round. They're yeah, they're smaller, but they're not much and. I'm glad he actually has this thing on the fucking ground. Like they actually did it. Cause if you fire, I, I fired off of my, uh, my Yugo SKS. I fired a fucking, uh, one of those modern grenades, like the, the cast iron ones or whatever off of an M2. Uh, I can't remember. M, whatever. Like the thing, the grenade launcher and to hold that thing, my God, with a blank, it's like, wham it fucking hits you back but um yeah, i'm glad they put it on the ground for this film because that's how they're actually supposed to be used oh. ryan yep yeah with the site and everything too yep uh fuck i was gonna say something about rifle grenades um, oh there was a trick during the second world war where you could actually fit a 60 millimeter um what do you call it mortar round onto a gi m1 grand i've seen a photo grenade. of that and that was very effective uh and it comes up in a lot of the combat like you know tips and things it's pretty cool so I think that's where they got the uh, the standardized like tube mm-hmm. size, like twenty two millimeters or something like that. I, I think it, I read something, but like it's uh, yeah, and and like you can do it, but again, the recoil is fucking insane. And what it break, my stock shatter? It, yeah, it, but it, it'll break a stock. You know, oh, I bet. Yeah, there it's fucking. If you're if you're if you're pumping a fucking sixty millimeter mortar round off of a rifle grenade mount, right? 
it might work and it might fucking hit your target and everything if it arms correctly and all, all that shit. But like, it's gonna break the fucking stock of your rifle. That's just because so, the, that's so much. That's so much power. Oh my god, it's insane. <laughs> it's like, so it, much back pressure. It's it's, insane. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's like putting your right? yeah. It's like, like putting your average Alabama like on the muzzle. You know, all that weight just gonna fucking crush that, the rifle. That's why they shoot these fuckers out of a fucking you know two inch tube on a fucking base plate that's yeah. fucking you know yeah. fu- that thing two fucking and a half feet by foot like two and a half feet by two and a half and that thing fucking wide. moves whenever you fire it you and know, it's it like, digs into the earth every fucking yeah. time you shoot yep. it although there's that there's that one footage recently of like a bunch of i think i think it's i think it's recently they had a bunch of uh mortarmen and they didn't kick the mortar plate down and the thing kicked right out like when it fired, oh, it just skidded oh, yeah. no. across the ground, and Dude, that's why so you kick those fuckers into the ground because it it literally came down, and the guy was holding the legs like this in the front, so when it kicked oh, yeah. back, the tube oh. it went like this, and it went right in front of his face. Oh, they didn't set it up right. They, no, they didn't kick the base plate in. Yeah, because the eleven chucks that I knew and yeah. know, they they would fucking it looked throw like throw that stuff, base plate. So. What? Yeah, it looked like boot stuff. So yeah. Yeah. They, they would throw the base plate down and then fucking stomp on it with all their weight. And then the tube gets in there and then the fucking tr- uh, bipod gets set up. I wasn't 11 Chuck. I was just 11 Bravo. But like those guys, they knew what the fuck they were doing because they knew how much power. And that's why, okay, the whole trope of the knee mortar in World War II. <laughs> the Japanese. Dude. Yeah. They have fucking recoil and a lot of it. That's... What happens when you take somebody out of the Bronx, put them yeah. in the Pacific, and then give them something? Hey, look at that, dude. The fuck? Yeah, it's, ah, it's, just a, it's just a fucking small mortar. It ain't yeah. going to do much. Yeah, yeah, check this shit out. Boom! Your fucking knee is completely what the shattered. Holy, hey, holy fucking shit, Corbin. Oh, what shit. Fuck? Oh, fuck. <laughs> you know? And it's like... Now I can run around corners. You know? Yeah, shit. I'm going to get a purple heart for this one. Yeah, trust me, bro. I'm going to get a purple heart, you know? My femur's fucking shattered. My knee is fucked. I'll never be able to walk again, but hey, I fucking shot that fucking Jap knee mortar. I tell you. That's how I became a cab driver. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, mortars, any kind of ordnance that you're going to be shooting, whether it's a rifle grenade, even the 203 that we used, right? It's on your M4. But my God, that little fucking, that little grenade launch that you think of, little, little tiny thing, boom, it fucking, it does have a lot of recoil to it. And it's like, and that's, that's a, that's a fucking, um, a cartridge that has a projectile. That's not just a straight launching the entire cartridge out with all the weight and everything. So yeah, it's just something to think about, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, Jesus Christ. It's just like the rifle grenade scene. I'm I'm glad he actually had it on the ground, which is what you're supposed to do, because you get a you get this kind of butt plate that was like rubberized and had a lot of rubber on it. And the the uh the Yugos did this with their SKSs and all that shit. And it was like rifle grenadiers would have this and they'd throw it in the fucking dirt, they'd stick it down, use the sights, pop. And I'm glad the first round didn't hit in the movie. Because yeah, usually they don't hit. You got to adjust fire. And no, I was just fucking all around just great. So anyway. I think we have reached final thoughts. We have. Who would like to go first? 
Nate should because he's yawning the most. <sighs> Dude, I was trying to like not say anything at all. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, penis. No, I'm, 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 Do I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm just uh, stop doing opium. <laughs> uh, too late. Uh, in game, not real. Um, no, I, I, I just, um, I, I, this one's hard for me to talk about or to talk about a lot the way Mike and Brian have been going back and forth with because I don't know dick shit about this fucking conflict at all. Um, and my rule is is that unless I know something or the joke's funny enough, I interject. But otherwise, tonight's been kind of low for me. But no, I mean, like, in, in terms of, uh, you know, all the things I like to chime in on, like cinematography, editing, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's hard to kind of go kind of crazy with that because it's a 1960s film. But at the same time, the uh, the film itself is really unique for the time, I feel like. Uh, whatever, whatever that that fucking fancy word Mike A used to describe the genre, because um, I can't remember. Uh, cinema verte, yeah, cinema verte, yeah, yeah, because I can't verte. remember my my fucking film school days. Um, that you know that uh that it definitely you know stands within that realm, you know, and like I said in the beginning, it's not like you know a black and white film with a monkey jerking off to symbolize poor poorism or something like that. Like it's actually like you know a legit fucking movie. Um, and that made me really like it a lot. So, you know, just to, 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 I guess, make my, my thing even shorter, I'm going to give it a, uh, a 9.2 screen, 9.2 screen Mel Gibson's out of 10. It, it, it really did hold up quite well. Sound effects are great. The editing is great. I like the, the kind of whole, like, um, uh, kind of documentary feel to it. It didn't pull me out of it. It wasn't so juxtaposed. So, you know, all in all, I really liked it. I'm, I'm going to give it a high thing. I think it deserves that uh, for what it is. And uh, yeah, like we said in verbatim, like those bullet impacts are really cool. Fake or not, really cool. I think shooting the fridge is worth a 9.2. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you know. They shot the hell out of that thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, like I said, like I said earlier, I was like, I love how they said drop everything unimportant and they, they pick up the fridge. Yeah. <laughs> which I thought was really funny. <laughs> so which is probably, there's probably a true story in there somewhere. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm sure. Um, uh, Michael. Uh, yeah. So cinema verte is the word. Um, and that, uh, <laughs> I'll get you a lot of squares on Scrabble. Is that what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> pretty good i gotta remember that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh but uh <laughs> uh yeah it was very it's it's uh maybe some of the best depiction of combat i've seen um and uh it also it's not grandiose and it doesn't have to be it's not like a billion armies and tanks and stuff and you know driving around and bomber planes you know bombing huge fields and all that such it's very isolated and it's very effective uh, even though it is very isolated, and um, yeah, I uh, like I say, I, I love the um, just the almost yeah, like we say, the documentary feel of the whole thing, and uh, that the characters were not cliches. You know, you do have kind of what might be set up to be a cliche kind of premise: the young lieutenant, the veteran badass. But the way they used those characters was not cliche, and uh, that I really liked a lot. And uh, again, the look of it, the feel of it. Um, 
just freaking awesome, and I'm really glad I saw it. So I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10. Solid 9. Wow. So Nate's offended again. Wow. No, <laughs> I'm happy. I was waiting for you to be like, I really loved it. It's really great. I'm going to give it a 6.8, you know, like something like that. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I'm okay. Glad. So, yeah, no, no, no. I'm happy. I'm happy. Okay. If I could go back and change the ratings of some things, I probably would. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't. It's the rules. Yeah, it's yeah the you rules. can't now, yeah. but uh, <laughs> nature's going to hold that over my head forever. That's oh, okay. Yeah, fuck I you. love it. it. It shattered the earth of reality and movie cinema. 5.8. <laughs> You're a cunt. <laughs> but I love it. It's awesome. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So, on that note, uh, I'm going to go to uh, Brian. Yeah, it's uh, it's a really awesome movie. You know, It's a gritty, new wave French film that's trying to tackle the French experience of both decolonization and the war in Indochina about a decade after it happened. Filmed in, technically, Indochina. Yep. You know, uh, with people that cared about it, with everyone that was on the same page, for whatever reason. And it fucking is awesome. You know, it's a film made by a veteran for veterans. And it gives this really amazing, unique view into the war. This film is everything that Green Berets wanted and tried to be, but could never be. This thing is amazing. And it's awesome. And I don't think there will ever be another Indochina film like this ever made. The only things I could say that could poke holes in it, and it's stupid to even say this shit is no carbine BFAs, because I didn't see carbines at all, but from our conversations, obviously, they weren't shooting blanks. Um, some things are sped up and condensed, and they did have some, you know, Hollywood scenes. And I felt like it maybe was like five minutes too long. But other than that, it's a really awesome fucking film, and I'm going to give it a 9.7 out of 10. Whoa. There's cool. just not a lot of things that you can do better than what they did here. All right. Yeah. Um, a lot of things that I was going to say have already been said. This is kind of why I like going last. It's a lot easier. Nate, take that into consideration and don't whine and bitch if you go last. Um, I never but, I never whine and bitch. I don't know oh, what you're talking you. about. You always <laughs> I, I am. I, I never whine and bitch. No. I, I, you, it's not, I never whine and or bitch. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not whining. I'm not whining. Mike. I'm not whining. You know, I'm whining I'm about how you called me about how I whine and bitch. Like I'm not whining or bitching. <laughs> All right. Anyway, it sounds okay. a little bitchy to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just a fucking fucking. God, but, I can't uh, believe you called said I whine and bitch. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> He's just gonna fucking wow. call it quits tonight. Oh, we're done. Wow. No more Chipotle bowls for me, man. <laughs> but, but um. No, I, I, I agree with, you know, I, it, again, we, we, we did a lot of shitty films in the past few months and I was just like, oh, Jesus Christ, will it ever get better? And the past few weeks have been pretty damn good. And this is no exception. It, this is something that I went into it. It took me a bit to get into it, but then all of a sudden, once I was in, I was like, boom. Oh, I see. Got it. Nice. And yeah, like, like Brian was saying, and Mike was saying that, this is probably the most realistic depiction of like modern combat that is on film that I've seen. Cause it's not grandiose. It doesn't have to be. And it, it, it didn't, it didn't want to be that. And it didn't do it, 
which is fucking perfect, right? Um, the characters, it was all totally, every fucking character, the Cambodian guys, the French guys, they were all believable as shit. Every fucking one of them was believable and it was really good, very well acted. It seems like they weren't even trying. And that's the best kind of acting you can get is when they're not trying and you can see that, you know, it comes through. Um, the, the weapons, fantastic. My God. And then we just, you know, talk about the life. It's like every aspect of this film is really good. Shortcomings, like Brian said, there were a few scenes where I'm like, this is getting to be Hollywood. Okay, or we're going this way. And then all of a sudden it pops out of that. And I'm like, oh, thank you. For fuck's sake, finally. Thank you. You know, and 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 was it five minutes too long? Maybe, perhaps. I didn't get that sense, but I was I was captivated the whole time and I was like, what's gonna happen next? Oh, oh. Oh, I know what's coming. It's just a matter of when. And then I didn't know when it was going to happen. But so it puts you into that of like, these guys are sitting there just sucking in the middle of the fucking jungle. They're fucked. They just don't know it yet. Right. And you're on the journey with them. And it seemed like a documentary more than it, it seemed like a film. Once I got, you know, in into it, which only took like uh, five, 10 minutes. And it's like, oh my God, how much worse can this get? Oh, uh, well, okay, they're doing this. He's giving the guy opium, whatever. All these things, these little details that were really like accurate and good. And there's a lot of foreshadowing to the U.S. involvement in Vietnam, which I don't know if they were going for that in 64 when they filmed this, but they sure fucking got it. And um, anyway, so cinematography was fantastic for the time. The fucking acting was fantastic. The sound effects, the actual practical effects, and even the the dubbed in like stock effects does not matter. Again, the, the the things that fell short were way overshadowed by the amount of good things that were in this film. Um, this gets a nine two from me. So, yeah. Decent. Yeah, I think it definitely deserves all of it. Yep. For sure. It was not I, overbearing I, at all. It was just fucking I think it was I think it was about as close as you're gonna get. Besides I, I would, actually filming a documentary. Yeah. I, I would say I would say it felt like it for me it's where it kicked off is where the first shot fired. Yep. And then and, and then, you know, like any any of us, it's like, oh okay, can you will you fuck this up? Oh no. Oh, okay. no, it just gets better. Okay. You know, and yep. then, and then what I, w- I was waiting again, like I keep saying, like I was waiting for the, the Finn black and white French art house fucking film to happen. And it never did. Nope. And I thought that was really, I thought I was really, really impressed with it. Putting all the scores in the computer that will tell us if DMB and Foo will hold, they will hold. There's no way they will hold. <laughs> We get a score of nine point three out of ten. Yep. Well, please deserved. watch this movie. Yeah. If you've never heard of this movie, watch this movie. If you've heard of this movie, watch this movie. Turn around. Just watch this movie. Go home. Stop what you're doing. Stop working. Go home. Yeah. I don't care it's if you awesome. get fired. Go. Uh, <laughs> I will put the link in the description. It's in the yeah, absolutely. It's, it's um. I think this is like a like a. I think it's on a web. It's a trustworthy website, right? Like this is yeah. Like, 
Yeah. And even even then, it, it, you can find it if you look a little bit. Um, but it's a really, 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 really good film. One hundred percent. Nothing worth else the watch. really like it. Yeah. A thousand percent. The quality, it, the, yeah. the quality yeah. of this link, the quality of the site that 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 we watched it on today, um, the subtitles are perfect. It's yep. great. Yep. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those archival websites where they are yep. making sure they doesn't get lost in time. So. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it exists because. This is this is about as close as you're gonna get. It's probably the best war film from the 20th century. Bold statement, Cotton. Let's see how it plays out. I'd, I'd top say, five. I was just gonna say top five. <laughs> it's it's in there because yeah yeah it's mm-hmm. you know it's yeah it's it's hard to get above a nine from me as you guys know. Um, this Definitely is hard to get from Mike A. That's for damn sure. Dude, I had a nine one last week with um. The their Iraq war, like which I did not yeah. that I, I got thrown for a loop on that one, and I was like, "Hey, it's above a well, nine." So, and, and we'll touch on his other work, DMB and food. Um, you know, this spring, you know, like we had mentioned earlier, this is the 70th anniversary of yeah. the events of of these things. You know, the spring of 1954. So it's fascinating to kind of view this history as it happened after the fact. Um, but yeah, well, thank you guys for your time. Watch this movie please. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave a rating. Otherwise, Mel Gibson won't stop screaming. If you like this content, make sure to check out our Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram pages. If you want to directly support our work, make sure to check out our Patreon. All these links are in the description below. Until the next time, Scuttlebutt out.